This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, and with me, Cam Rusland, today we have the returns of, she is the voice of news on BFM. She is Danya Nair. Hello, happy to be back again. Great to have you here, Danya. And he is the Bob Dylan Abangi, an educator and uh, a rock star, or a punk rock star, punk folk. Uh, he is Asmil Yunor. Hi. Hi, Malaysia. Hi, Malaysia. It's like he's, he's, uh, he's jetted in and he's just doing his gig, but he got the country right. So <laughs> not very rock and roll. Um, our three topics this week is topic number one is music is a visual art form. Topic number two is aging and rock and roll. And finally, topic number three is Danya's love for Indian cinema. So with uh, topic number one, isn't inspired by Asmil. He sent me the music video for his uh, latest song. I guess it's your latest song, Pada. And um, it's very rock and roll. Asmil has got even smashing a TV. Which is very rock and roll. Slapping a few kids. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, one kid. <laughs> uh, actually, I've got to say that bit was not that convincing. It was like, that, that's just not Asmil. And... Um, but it it, um, it reminded me of something that's always on my mind, which is with music that it's really bizarre because I can walk around my apartment and I can hear music in the background whilst I do other things. But that, for the, for the entire uh, duration, really, of human history, that's been an impossibility. You would have, if music was happening near you, you would have had to have been seeing it or doing it yourself. The notion that music can be this sound without an image is crazy. And it's really only been a product of, let's say, from the 1950s to the 1980s, the heyday of vinyl, and where, where music was, was, was um, all on its own. So, for instance, like when, when Elvis Presley became big in Britain, I was reading, in the early 1950s, they heard the music, but there had only been one photograph of Elvis in a newspaper. So they were electrified by the music, but they had no idea what the guy looked like or how he moved or anything. And likewise, when the Beatles went to America, I mean, most of the people, they, they had not seen a single image of the Beatles. And that's, just, that's insane. <laughs> but now, say, post-MTV, it is possible now to, to create music and put on a visual element relatively cheaply. And, and I'm wondering if we then get locked into that interpretation of the music, um, that we don't create our own images. Cause when I, when I listened to the music of the sixties and seventies, I noticed that, and maybe it's not exclusive to that time, the musicians, the lyrically, they made sure that there was a visual storytelling to it. They painted pictures with their words. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case now, because it's not necessary, because you can, you can just attach an image quite easily to it. So, uh, Asmila, like with, with your music video, uh, if there is a visual element to Asmil Yunor, it would be, you have to go and see Asmil perform ordinarily. Are you afraid of putting images to, uh, to your music? Not really. I mean, okay, you've got to take a few steps back. I mean, uh, Mark Taylor, theater maker made that that play about me and my songs, right? 
He told me once, you know, I said, Asmil, the first line of your songs are all establishing shots mm -hmm. in cinema. You know? So he said, because, you know, I used to joke, yeah, I don't write lyrics, I write dialogues. Because my training is in filmmaking and journalism, not music. So my approach to music has always been different. It's always been visual. To me, as a music maker in my head, music conjures images and spaces. And actually, when you mentioned the, about, about, you know, the how now image precedes the songs, um, yeah, I, 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 I've always loved the fact that you didn't know how an artist looks like when you got an album. That's just, that element of mystery is gone. You know, so yeah, but so I mean, but but that's such a rare. That's only a, f a few handful of decades where that was possible. I mean, it's the first time in human history is happening. We're not yeah. gauging that like, oh yeah, it was better five hundred years ago. It lasted eighty years. No, I mean, like this is new, right? It's a, it's a yeah. fairly modern. You know, without capitalism, we don't have all these things. Um, but but you know, um, in that way, I guess I'm a keeper of a dying tradition because I love the album. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about album covers, the images I use. Um, if you follow my Instagram, you know, I've used images and visuals to kind of like, um, deal with algorithms, which expects me to shoot a video of my face. Hi guys. And I don't do that stuff. I'm not into that. So I just share photos. So mm. you check out my, my Instagram, you know, I take nice photos because you know, I love film to making background, but nevertheless, I do think visually on the long sense in terms of, okay, because if you have an album, you have to think about. How many legs can an album have aside just from the songs? And I think this is why a lot of musicians, I think in Malaysia especially, don't think that way. They think, hi guys, my latest song on Spotify, please like, that's it. And yeah. then when you play live, there's no visual element because you're not interesting to see live. Like you said, right. you know, yes, my life is very different from my music video. I'm very, very aware of the differences. Right, and right. I don't try to like mimic my live presence in the music video because it's different mediums, it's, it's useful, not useful. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I would say which perspective you got to think about music and visual visual as a visual, visual medium is that as a, as, as a, as a, as artist, as songwriter, and as somebody who wears different hats on the producer, on the sleep designer, poster designer, all this is in the, the, that's in rock culture. Right, right. That's a fairly that's a fairly new thing. Yeah, it, it was it, actually, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Danya, I can I ask you, you're a young person. And you didn't grow up in the Stone Age that myself and Asmil grew up in. Well, I would imagine crumple, crumple images. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine you know it, music and image came together. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. Me, as, right? as long as I remember, there's all, there was always a music video attached to a song, um, especially because I came. I think when I was born, already the MTV boom had sort of happened, yeah. I, and there are some songs. Um, where I can't listen to it if I don't see the video. Um, or it sounds, it sounds, diff if I'm listening to it um, without watching the video, there is a sense of, it doesn't feel the same. Like I don't get that same kind of hit from when I'm just listening to the music by itself versus um, watching it with the video. Um, yeah, but I think, I think as, as I'm getting a bit older, the video is, a, it means less to me. I think when I was younger, there was a bit more excitement of, Oh wow, the music is out. When's the music video coming out? Um, I want to see what the music video is going to be out be about. Are they going to do like a story? Is the is the actual singer going to be in it? But versus now, I don't really care so much. I feel like because MTV is also kind of died out as well a bit. I don't really care, and I like having like building sort of a narrative in my own head without having something to refer to. Um, and also, I think the music video, if you look at different genres of music, also kind of depends because some like if you like. K-pop or like Indian music, some of them like to have like 
dance as part of the performance. So that also kind of depends on what kind of music you're talking about as well. Yeah, well, I was going to ask because you know you, you love Indian cinema and um, you know there's song and dance in that, but you, it's uh, I mean that is a visual medium. No. So do you can you listen to the music from an in, in from Indian cinema independently, just walking around the house kind of thing? You Does can. it make sense to you? <laughs> You can. I think a lot of, especially more Bollywood-centric music um, is very upbeat. And, you know, it, it's great to walk around the house with like a bit of like pop in your step when you're listening to the music. Um, but there is, I mean, maybe because a, a lot of a lot of the music videos also is just them dancing. So it doesn't interrupt too much of what I'm thinking about. Like, I'm not going to start dancing those moves, but, you know, there's, it gives you some kind of happiness right. to your day. So. In that sense, yes, but some people they appreciate more just seeing the performance that people have choreographed for it. I would say mm. there are plenty of music that that I I discovered and grew to love because I was introduced to it through, say, cinema. Um, I, I really love the music of Richard Wagner, the opera composer, and I've discovered it really through a movie called Excalibur, and. Um, the images in Excalibur sort of, sort of, kind of really had nothing to do with Wagner, but now I can't help but have the two welded together. But that was very fortunate. It could have been that I, it could have been a really bad movie and it would have just tarnished. <laughs> but but this is interesting. That is where, like, you know, um, I was trying to plot how, how, how long can you make a song live on in popular memory? And, you know, these are instances where it succeeds, you know, a, a song that, 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 that probably didn't have, there was waning popularity or wasn't on people's radar becomes, you know, kind of like coalesce with, 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 uh, with cinema. And then, and then you know, the, the music takes on a different kind of resonance. I yeah. think that's, that's rich. I think that's fantastic. You don't have a control over that. And again, I like, I agree what Daniel said. Like, yesterday I gave a guest talk to some music students and I told them like, yeah, you all, you, you all grew up straight away. The music and the visual are, are two things. They're, they're, they're one, but you know, uh, is that someone respond to you? I like the song or do I like, do I like the, the video? Um, and also, then, yeah, I appreciate the fact that you brought, brought it up that I purposely didn't make a lot of music videos prior to maybe the, the last decade, you know, because I wanted people to have their own interpretations. I didn't want to hijack my idea about the song to you. You know, um, I think it's interesting when people come to me as a musician and a songwriter that, hey, this song's about this, 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 and said, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna <laughs> say no or yes, but but a music video sometimes, you know, it kind of takes away that, right? Well, yeah, you kind of like yeah, you start if it's if, you know if it's a bad one or a good one, it still sticks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to conclude, I, I find it strange that there's this song uh, "Take on Me" by Aha, Man. which came out in the 1980s, which is a nice song. It's not a, it's not one of the music videos. Video. But the music video was kind of like famously a good music video. And it's, it's after what, 40 odd years, 1.3 billion hits on YouTube. <laughs> it's just. It's timeless. It's timeless. And, and I think it's the music the, video. It's, I mean, the song is nice, but it's not. It's going to be both. I don't, I don't think, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like cinema. You know, you can't say it's a nice shot, but where's the movie a flop? I think, you know, there is a lot more. You mm. can't put your finger on it. You know, people in suits can't figure this out. And if they can't do it, who the hell can? Yeah. So maybe it's uh, not meant to be not meant to be messed up with. Yeah. So let's <laughs> let's let's move then to topic number two, which is I guess a similar theme, which is um aging and rock and roll. And Azmil, this is your topic. Yeah, I just saw this <laughs> list on uh somebody uh, somebody posted it somewhere and, and they said 
uh, aging rock star still touring. And then like, I think on top was like, Willie Nelson, 90. He's touring still, you know? Of course, Mick Jagger's, Mick Jagger's 80, man. Um, mm. Paul McCartney's yeah, 18, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the low, youngest age on that list was like, somebody was 70, you know? Um, and, you know, people tend to forget that, you know, we human beings, we age the moment we're born. It's not like, oh, I'm old because I'm 30. No, <laughs> You know, a, a one-month baby can also cry, oh, I'm getting old, you know? Um, but people forget that it's a physical thing, playing music. It's, I've always likened it to sports. And, you know, and this is where camaraderie comes in. You know, it's, it's, a, it's competition, but you have sportsmanship. You know, somebody plays better than you. You say, great set, man. You don't, you don't sulk, you know? And, you know, all these things, I think, as you play music longer, you mature, right? But... That's great because you get better at things what you do. But at the same time, there's also the, the aging element, aside from the physical, which is uh, real, um, is that how do you maintain your relevance to, to, to succeeding younger generation? You, get, you, you start to disappear, right? And you, uh, what mm. I'm starting to see now, because I'm part of you know, this gener generation exodus, so-called. So I would see like, okay, now, now they're becoming like very nostalgia-driven. There'll be bands from 90 can play and they all go there. And they're all like in the 40s. You know, it's like, it's like Eagles. Like, I just see that, right? Well, whatever band it is, I'm cooling, you know, underground band from 80s, 90s, they're reformed. To me, I just see, you know, it's like the Eagles reforming, you know? Um, but as an artist, how do you remain relevant? And this is where seeing politics gets interesting, you know? In Malaysia, a lot of the more aging musicians expect younger musicians to know who they are. You don't know who I am, you know? But at the same time, the internet, social media is such a noisy place. Where does one begin? And this is where I think our rock literature, writing, archiving is very important. That's to tell the younger generation that something had come before. And yeah. I think this links to aging because the fact that, you know, as you get older, I don't, I don't want to look ridiculous. I mean, I'm not Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger can look, you know, like he's, he's dressed like he's in his 20s because he's a fitness freak. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think that's, the, uh, the existential conundrum of I think, rock and roll it, aging. It, it certainly is. It certainly is. Uh, Danya, you're the, pe the people you, you worshipped as, as a younger person, which is not that long ago, they're getting older now, aren't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. They're not kids anymore. No. And uh, how, how, how is that going for you? How is it going for them, actually? I mean, I, <laughs> no, but like Taylor Swift is, what, a 32 now, which is not Yeah, old. she's 32, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's also not young kid. No. Um, I, I think I'm seeing it a lot with a lot of my, my friend group. We are seeing it a lot with boy bands, I think. Mm. Boy bands, like if you think about Boyzone and Backstreet Boys, Westlife, all those kind of groups. Um, for a while, they kind of vanished. They sort of they were great when they were young. They were popular. They made a lot of money and then disappeared. A lot of went, a lot of people went and did solo careers. And suddenly, there's been this um, this sort of period of them coming back and doing reunions, and also this sort of um, realization on both the audience and their part. Like, oh, we we still have the support from our you know, younger fans who have grown grown old with us kind of thing. I but I don't know if there is an attraction of newer fans, but there's definitely a feeling of, oh, you're still here, we're still here. It's like a reunion almost of us and the artists getting together. But it's nostalgia though. It's nostalgia for sure. But I don't know if if there's longevity in getting newer fans. I don't know if there's a plan for them. 
Because right now, right now, it seems to me that any band that, that comes back or any band that I know who sort of come back in the headlines is banking on nostalgia to, to continue their brand. Um, and but, the, that's the strategy is to keep, is to retain the fans you have rather than grow the fan base. Because those bands, those groups, the boy bands that you mentioned, I mean, they're, they're probably in their 40s, but I yeah, mean, they, they are old and haggard. <laughs> they really are. Uh, they're, they're younger than me and Asmil, but they look like they're This is a genre methods like in rock and roll or country music. The more haggard you look, the more authentic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but in, in pop, in pop is the opposite, right? Yeah. So, so you got to choose well, your genre if you want longevity. You're absolutely right. It, it is an advantage. Like Roy Orbison or Johnny Cash, when they started out, um, I mean, I saw photographs of them and they were already considered to be um, established old timers. They were like 25 years old. Yeah, they they look older than twenty, but they look yeah. older. Then, yeah, 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 that's true. So, and actually, for longevity, it really it pays to look old. I mean, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan always <laughs> looked like he was sixty. Yeah. Don't look trendy, la. Just look the same. Look at the Ramones, it's same haircut all the way. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but okay, they they look ridiculous when they older. But nevertheless, what I'm saying <laughs> is that if you look trendy to the moment, trends will disappear, and you look old. Um, yeah. You know, so okay. if you just just do your haircut the way you did in high school, that's not trendy. And just okay. maintain that for the rest of your life. What about women, then, though? We're women. I've, I mean, I've found as I get older that if I am listening to anybody who is a, a newish artist, invariably it's going to be a female artist. And I find, one, also that women, as they get older, they can actually keep their voices for longer. Uh, <laughs> that A man's voice, singing voice, really deteriorates. Yeah. And they lose the ability to hit any high notes. Um, but, but of course, there are pressures on women uh, in terms of aging and that the looks. But it's um, interesting because, yeah, I mean, gender and I think the, the narrative between the difference of gender is very important because this goes into how one perceives the journey of the artist, right? So I think, um, I think women have a very different narrative from men. are just like, I'm, I'm going to stay 21 yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't want to grow up, you know, whereas I think women but, have a uh, But a lot of female artists sort of seemingly, they seemed older already, like Joni Mitchell or Kate Bush. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Daniel, let's ask a woman. I don't know. I think Madonna is a good example uh, of man. a female artist trying to remain relevant. And I think forever 21. She, she gets a lot of pushback for trying to act younger than she is, I think. whereas, But I think if you look back at Madonna's career, in general, she's always been sort of reinventing herself. Yeah. Uh, whether it's from like her first, when she was young and she had a kind of like pure kind of look about her, even though the music wasn't that pure. But, um, you know, she kind of reinvented herself throughout time. And now it's kind of reached the stage where people are sort of, she's kind of gone a bit like Lady Gaga-ish kind of image, I think. Or maybe you can argue Lady Gaga yeah. stole the image from her. But um, there, there's, I think that that's a, that's a big sort of, difference between a man and a woman doing that. I think if a man did that, there wouldn't be much question about it. I think because it's Madonna and, mm. you know, she's trying dressing, I guess, quote unquote, inappropriately and things like that. She's getting way more pushback than if a male singer had done it. No, you're right. I mean, Mick Jagger is 20 years older than Madonna and is... Well, uh... but, but it's interesting because Madonna set that template that, you know, that Lady Gaga and all the yeah. successful You know, the reinvention is very important. Yeah. You know? and, and that's interesting because... There's always resistance among male musicians, I think. It seems like 
like I said, you know, just want to remain the same. Yeah. Unless they become pious, lah, that's the truth. Uh, that, that's why, one of the reasons why, I, well, one of the many reasons why, um, the fact that John Lennon got shot so young, I think he would have been a very interesting guy yeah. getting older. Yeah. And, and I think he would have sung songs about, you know, his lumbago hurts and uh, <laughs> what do I do about these varicose veins and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Actually, they already writing about Beatles already, right? When I'm 64, is it? They're, yeah. They're writing when, about aging already. When that's they right. Were and he, he was, yeah. what, he was 16 when he wrote that. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> yeah. we all age. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, Asmil, what can I say? Good luck with that. Uh, and, whatever, uh, whatever you come up with. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. And uh, you can always turn to me and uh, Daniel for uh, um, our opinions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, shout out to the team who made the music video, Pada, Weiran, yeah. and team, and, yeah. And do check it out, folks. Uh, it it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really good. Uh, it's in black and white. And uh, so uh, we take a break. And when we come back, it's Indian cinema, which is not in black and white, here on uh, Bit of Culture, BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Raslan, Asmin Yunor, and Danya Naya. And now, Danya, you've mentioned when you've been on this show many times, um, Indian cinema. And yeah. so now you're going to take a deep dive and tell us why you love Indian cinema. <laughs> yes, yes. I've mentioned my love of Shah Rukh Khan many times. Um, so I'm going to preface this with two things. Uh, first, I don't consider myself an expert in Indian cinema. This is just based on my own experience watching it. And two is, I think in general, Indian cinema is better than Hollywood. I think Indian cinema doesn't get any that much credit as Hollywood gets. Um, I think a lot of people, um, if I were to start at my sort of age, a lot of people remember um, the basic premise of, basic premise, I say it quote unquote, um, is a love story, a romance story. You think about uh, music and dance, a guy chasing after a girl, there's some scene where they're hiding behind a tree at some point. Uh, you know, that's generally what people think of, but there's so much more to Indian cinema than people realize. I think what's interesting about Indian cinema whether it's South or North Indian um, cinema is a, a lot of people seem to think that the morals or the way a, uh, society or culture should be in India comes from the movies. Um, so it's interesting to see how the film industry navigates that. Um, and I think because culturally they're so different to the people in, who are consuming Hollywood movies like the Western culture, they have different barriers to navigate. Um, so if they were to talk about things like, um, you know, a woman getting pregnant out of wedlock, um, queer relationships, it's more difficult for them to navigate those kinds of topics. So they're more creative in the way that they do it. Um, an example I would say is um, there's a movie that came out in 2015. It's called Bandaiho, and it's basically about a woman who gets pregnant in an older age. So, so there's a lot of um, the narrative is about how people perceive her being an older mother and things like that. Whereas because you don't have those kind of problems or maybe to a lesser extent in the West, they don't focus on that so much. Um, and, you know, there's there's no like song and dance in that kind of movie if, if people are worried about that. Um, I just think there's so much more versatile, the topics that they cover in Indian cinema. And even if you don't like Bollywood, I think it's also worth exploring the South side of Indian cinema. So Telugu movies, Malayali movies, Tamil movies, um, even like, so if you don't want to like search, uh, search for it yourself, the easiest thing is um, the movie RRR or Triple R. It won an Oscar last year for their song. Easy enough, you can find it on any streaming platform. It's there if you want to watch it. Um, 
And I think especially coming from an Asian country, there are a lot of things that we we relate to a bit more in comparison to Western Western movies. Um, and I think Holly, uh, Bollywood movies have always been at the same level at Hollywood movies. Maybe not technologically, but in terms of storytelling, in terms of acting, I think it's comparable to um, Hollywood movies. And I feel like I um, there's a more impact. Um, the first movie I saw in Indian cinema that really gave me an impact, um, it was about a man having dementia and how his family had to deal with it. I think that's... No Hollywood movie has made me sort of feel that impact because I've, I've also had family members who have that kind of disease and things like that. Um, and I think Hollywood have have kind of, at this point, kind of delved into more superhero movies and not, not even good superhero movies. I think Marvel, Marvel has kind of deteriorated a lot. Um, and that's not mm. to say that Hollywood aren't making other good movies, but that's the mainstream that you see now, superhero and things like that. Big block, big blockbuster but, things. But but can I can I ask Danya uh, mm. two questions? One is, um, you say Indian cinema, but you've mentioned that there's North and South, so there's Hindi Hindi uh, Bollywood, mm. and then in the South there's Telugu and Tamil, etc. Yeah, yeah. It, is there one? Is there a fundamental difference in the subject matters that that you know one side or the other will not cover? They do cover it in one side or the other. And two, do you happen to know if people in the South watch movies from the, from the North and vice versa? Um, so I think in general, in terms of covering topics, they both kind of cover the same kind of topics. I don't think they shy away or like if only one, if only Bollywood covers certain topics and only South Indian cinema covers certain kinds of topics. I think they both cover it, maybe just at different speeds, but they do right. end up covering it. Um, I think there is a big following for Bollywood films. Um, so I think South Indian moviegoers generally do watch Bollywood movies because I think that's their biggest, that's the biggest movie, like money-making um, machine in India in general. And, and there's a real clear on-screen um, production value difference. There is there is a production value difference. I think in general, there is some resentment from the South Indian side because I think most people, when they think Indian cinema, they only think of Bollywood. Um, and I think maybe there might be a bit of friction in there. Um, but I think South Indian cinema, um, they do have like dancers. Like if, they, if you want to talk like romance or like music and things like that, they do do those kind of things. But I think that also has given South Indian cinema more of a chance to, do, to explore other topics as well. But there's definitely a big difference in production value, I would say, in South mm. Indian and, and um, Bollywood. But recently, people have been saying that's been like a merging of the two of like Bollywood and... South Indian cinema kind of working together. Um, yeah. So more Bollywood movies are doing, Bollywood stars are doing South Indian movies and things like that. So they're kind of merging together. So I think it's an interesting time for Indian cinema in general as a whole. Okay. Hey, uh, Asbil, are you a fan? Thank you so much, Daniel, for great, for, for, as a fan perspective, very important because you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. Teach, uh, I teach world cinema my students. We need to decolonize <laughs> the, the students' expectation about filmmaking are still very Hollywood centric. So, so my subject is all about about the the kind of like not deconstructing, but kind of like opening up. And when they you know, like like Indian cinema, Bollywood, by the way, statistically was the largest. I think it still is. Maybe you got uh, a couple of years ago. I think Nollywood kind of took over, but the largest uh, film industry in the world. So <laughs> and yeah, they are bigger than Hollywood. I mean, look, Hollywood, Hollywood's running our ideas. 
you know okay. it's, it's so 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 driven by by you know it's it's, it's america everything is capital driven um but then also indian cinema includes you know when i tell students you know like oh bollywood etc you know and south indian cinema i also tell them okay there's also like uh Sajiri, you know it yeah. makes the films who are which is opposite there's no dancing it's like it's, it's after it's like it's like that if for me i, I always make it it's like okay what what happens after you get the girl or the guy yes that is such kind of like either it's really depressing or, or it's very real you know um and uh, you know he and he he's a giant i remember uh, Sajiri was was an independent filmmaker mm. and he's a he's a figure in, in in cinema not just world cinema right so this is where i think a lot of Malaysia film goers don't understand that we're so Hollywood, so Western centric, right? We need to decolonize it and start yeah. looking. I mean, yeah. India is the best to start. But but, but also India. but also um, for Malaysians and indeed for you, Danya, uh, Indian cinema is for a lot of Malaysians is as alien as Hollywood. Um, so as a Malaysian, when you watch uh, Indian cinema, are you? I mean, you're outside looking in. It's 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 its own petri dish of of social <laughs> movements and stuff. I don't I don't know I don't know if you've got family still out there, but uh... I mean, there are some parts that are probably different. Maybe some of the cultural values that I don't believe in, or you know. But they they focus on all of themes like uh, family, growing old together, how you deal with aging parents, things like that. And I think those are still universal to me. So, yeah. whereas, whereas I think with, with Hollywood movies, when I watch them, there is a certain sort of, um, how do I say this? I always see a life that is portrayed that I will never experience, if that makes sense. Even yeah. if they, they have the same kind of themes about family, growing older, there's like a certain sort of standard that I will never attain or never understand. Yeah. Uh, whereas with Indian cinema, I feel like there is some part of it that I can still kind of relate to, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think one key, diff uh, there's a whole genre in Hollywood, in, in American movies, of, um, of, oh my God, my child won't leave the house. My child is now 18 years old and just won't leave the house. What's wrong with my child? And, and then all the child returning to the home at the age of 22. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't have that story in Indian cinema. No. <laughs> oh my God, my child's leaving the house. There's also, I mean, like, like, like Mira Nai, who was like living mm. in the States and, you know, telling stories that wouldn't be told in India too. So it's, it's such bossy best It's fascinating. Indian cinema is fascinating. Would you, um, would you include Mira Nai in Indian I mean, I mean, when you say the larger scope of things, you know, yeah. you study, you, you, you can't say she's not part of it because she is projecting an image of what, you know, what, 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 what life is there mm. from, uh, you know. Well, let's end with, uh, Danya then, uh, this giving us a, um, uh, a, a package of, uh, beginners, uh, or advanced level, um, <laughs> Indian cinema viewing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I will, I'll give one from like, uh, North and one from South. Okay. Um, uh, South Indian, I will recommend. So this is the movie I mentioned about a man with, uh, um, dementia, who develops dementia. Uh, it's called Tan Matram. It's a Malayali movie starring Mohan Lal, who's like a big actor in, in the Malayalam uh, film what? industry. Uh, I'm not sure where you can watch it because that movie came out in 2005, but I'm sure you Google it, it'll be somewhere on there. And if not, you can go to any Indian DVD shop. They sell it. They will definitely sell it. For not 
uh, not like Bollywood, I would recommend Piku, which stars Amitabh Bachchan, uh, Deepika Padukone, and uh, the late Irfan Khan. Um, it's basically a family about Deepika Padukone living with her father. Her father is aging. And there's a lot, a lot of talk about constipation. It's quite funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Talk about how her father deals with constipation and things like that. It's just general how you how you go through life trying to take care of your father and and you know going back to your roots and and things like that. It's it's quite fun. It's it, it seems like a mundane like ordinary kind of film, but it's it's quite uh, funny. It's and, real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think but it used to be on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's back on, but you can definitely it'll definitely be there or on Apple TV. I'm, I believe is also there. Because yeah. also Indian television is also um, uh, picking up the pace. It's such a huge market. I mean, there, there's there's budget money to be had. Well, but Indian television has, um, is it Bombay Murder? Is it Bombay? What's what's the uh, detective one? Oh, uh, I think it, is it Bombay Murders? Bombay detective, Bombay, Bombay, is it Bombay something? Um, but, but yeah, Indian cine- uh, television seems to be picking up pace as well. Uh, okay, um, so last I think last time you were on here, Danya, you you threw me the challenge of um, of listening to Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Swift, uh, which I have partially accepted, and uh, so now it's Indian cinema. So I will check out those uh, movies that you suggested. Well, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of listening and reading lists with Danya. So, um, well, thank you. And we move on now to the final part of the show, recommendations, where we recommend something that we think might be of interest, and I go first. So I've been reading a lot about The Sea um, recently, uh, a really wonderful book about sailors in the Royal Navy back in the 1700s. Uh, so uh, because of that, I I went back and watched an old movie, um, Master and Commander, oh. Peter Weir. Um, I, I, Peter Weir, Australian director, he's so good. He did The Truman Show. He's just one of the yeah, best. Yeah. 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 Did he ever win an Oscar? No. No. Yeah. It, Come on. He's never... And he's really sort of in people's top 10, then, top five directors. Be underrated. Yes, underrated. Brilliant. He's one of the great filmmakers. Um, uh, so Peter Weir's uh, Master and Commander. It's set in the sea on the ship um, in the Napoleonic Wars in, well, I think it's 1805 or something. And it's, uh, oh gosh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so that's my recommendation. Go check that one out. It's an old film, but what the heck. Um, Asmil. Yeah. Okay, it's February, right? So, uh, yeah, check out, um, well, music festivals. I know Malaysia music festivals be in the news last year for the wrong reason. <laughs> but I think there's a music festival I'm going to be part of um, in KL on 24 February. It's called Back to the Blues uh, <laughs> Festival 2024. It's going to be at KL Base, you know, where the whole Sungai Basi Airport used to be. They've been having oh. a lot of concerts there. Yeah. Really? I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I think one part of it, they, they kind of ran it out before it becomes Bandar Malaysia. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Check it out. Uh, 24 February, back to the Blues Festivals. Shout out to the team, Shashmar what, what, and John. So what kind of what kind of uh, what kind of music and bands and? It's very broad. It? I think I, uh, from when they they approached me to to join the festival, you know, it's all it's not just about twelve bar blues, uh, that kind of you know, but it's also I think interpretations of blues. Like I mean, they're calling me in, which is I'm more kind of folk rock, uh, you know, mm. blues kind of style. Um, but I'm singing so- songs about having the blues. Mm-hmm. Well, I might not be literally like your 12 blah blah blues, you know. So <laughs> what is the blues? I think that's the main thing. You know, everybody's got the blues. So that's so I I really appreciate that 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 that's where they're coming from. That it's not this, you know, Reggie's strict definition of blues. But yeah, I think the blues is broad enough 
in that sense. So that's it's not just music festival. I think that they're, they're also doing workshops. Got a friend teaching how to make a cigar box guitar. You know, Kyle listening in. Yeah, he's gonna do that. Apparently, I saw that some of that promo. So it's it's really family friendly oriented festival. Um, okay. Yeah, so check it out. I'm curious to check it out too. But you yeah. know, you know, after all the the bad news of festivals last year, it's it's a one day thing or one day thing on 24 February. Okay, cool. Back to the Blues Festival. Yeah, I mean, the, the Blues is a very uh, wide church. You know, it's including yes, the uh, yeah. Bang Delta Blues. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'll I got check that. that. I got a Langa River Blues. So I'll definitely check that out. I'd love to go. Uh, Danya, <laughs> what's your recommendation? Uh, I'm going to recommend... Uh, not an Indian. Uh, since I've given recommendations for Indian cinema, I'm going to recommend a South Korean uh, TV series. Cool. Um, it's on Netflix. You know, I love my true crime stories. So this is not a documentary. It's based on the book by the first uh, South Korean profiler. Um, and the show is called uh, Through, the, Through the Darkness. It's basically about the South Korean police force developing uh, pro their own sort of crime analysis department and, and the other sort of officers pushing back against it. But it's very interesting um, because it's based on the, the guy's actual book, but how they build the department and how they sort of build analysis about the crime, the crimes and the criminals. So that's, wow. but that's, you know, I, I like crime stuff in general, but so it was that your, your kind of thing to watch. It was very interesting. Cool. I, I love South I love Korean it. movie. Uh, <laughs> I really do. I have, I've, I, but I've, they had trouble with South Korean television, but, uh, yeah. but but what you're saying there, that sounds pretty damn good. I'm going to check yeah. that one out. What's it called again? Uh, Through the Darkness. Through the Darkness. I love this guy, true crime stuff, man. Yeah, okay, cool. Go check it out. Asmil, do you teach uh, Korean mo uh, movies in your college? We do screen, la. but you know, it's just a sample, but most most students are versed nowadays, la. you know. I, rather they, they, they're they into Korean cinema than just Hollywood, you know. At least they, they need to vary their diet. You know, stop eating burgers, you know. Gotta eat some <laughs> yeah. kimchi. Some kimchi, you know. Kimchi and some or dal some, as well. Yeah, kimchi and dal, yeah. <laughs> Drop the fries, folks. <laughs> kimchi and dal. I'm not sure those two go together, actually. That doesn't sound good. You can't try. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Well, that um that brings us, actually, Daniel, one more time. Was it called Through the Darkness? Yes, through the darkness. I'm going to through try the darkness. Like no, straight after this. <laughs> um, okay, well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Um, I'd like to thank Asmil Yunor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, by the way, Asmil, aside from your um, blues festival, do you have any other gigs? Uh... Uh, not at the moment, yeah. I'm just um, kind of like just taking it easy. That, that's my next show. And okay. Like, come, I'm going to play with Asmil, the truly Asia. <laughs> yeah, my, my rock and roll band. Okay, I would also check out his uh, latest music video, Pada. On, yes, please, Pada, my YouTube on, channel. On please. his YouTube channel. And thank you to Danya Nye. Thank you. It was so much fun, as always. Uh, it's always fun to have you on. And, um, well, yeah, that's it. So thank you very much. And join us next time for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.